Hi, church. I was, uh, I feel like I'm a, a bandit with this, uh, with this thing on. Most of you look like you're going to surgery. Uh, I apologize if you were here for the first sermon, uh, for the first service, because uh, the jokes don't get any better. Uh, <laughs> we're going to continue our series on uh, letting the Psalms teach us about our relationship with, with God. Uh, today we'll be in Psalm 86. So the sermon is, uh, as Matt mentioned, about supplication. And supplication is just another word for petition or an official ask. And when I say the word petition, you might be thinking of something along the lines of, hey, sign this petition so we can get the government to do something or get this candidate uh, on the ballot or whatever it is. And so that's kind of like you're part of a group going out with this idea of like, we agree with this. I put my name on this. Please go do it. This is not the kind of petition we're talking about. We're talking about petitioning a king the God of the universe, going forward and saying, these are my needs, and you're the only one who can meet those needs. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about supplication. This is God asking God for help in times of trouble and in times of need. And there are several reasons that we don't come to God with our needs. One of the most uh, common reasons is pride, simple pride. Oh, I can handle this situation on my own. If I can't handle it with my first plan, I'll handle it with my plans A, B, C, D, and F, and then I've got alternate ideas on how I can accomplish this thing, this thing that's crushing me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, through sheer force of will, I'm going to make it happen. Or it could be even, you know, this thing is too small. This thing is just too small for God. I'm not going to bug him with it. You know, like God has more important things to do. So our pride can hold us back from bringing our needs before the Lord. Uh, our shame can as well. I'm ashamed for what I did. Maybe the, maybe the troubles that I'm facing are my own doing. Maybe it's my own sin or something that has gone on in my life that I've just made some bad decisions and now I can't, ta- I can't go before God because he's a holy and perfect God and the things that I'm done, I'm ashamed of and I don't want those to come up. I want to just continue pursuing so I won't bring my needs before God. And another reason that we won't potentially bring our needs before God is anger. I'm angry at God. How could, how could this thing have happened to me? How could this thing be happening over here? I'm angry with God, so I'm not going to talk to him about this. I've personally felt all three of those in my life as a Christian. I've gone through all three of those probably more than once. Uh, and all of those are based on a false idea on who God is. That God is going to be angry with me and smite me for, for and he's, he's looking for ways to say, I told you so, that he's looking for all these things to kind of crush me. And that's not, that's not the God who we, we, we serve and love. Our needs, our great needs, should drive us to pray to our great God who is able to meet those needs and who alone can deliver us. God is the only one who has control over the whole world that we live in. No matter how hard we wish, the Lord is the only one who can really provide us with strength and hope. Once we all learn to put God first, then everything else falls into place. All in all, God is really the key to everything. So let's go ahead and take a look at Psalm 86. It says, A prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, 
for you for to you do I cry all the day gladden the soul of your servant for to you O Lord do I lift up my soul for you O Lord are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you give ear O Lord to my prayer listen to my plea for grace in the day of my trouble I will call upon you for you answer me there is none like you among the gods of O Lord nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will Glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. And they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you this morning. We come desperately in need of you, Lord. We come because you are good, Lord. We come because you are powerful and able, Lord. We, we, we need you, Lord, and we just want to lay all those needs before you, Lord. You are an amazing God, and we just lift up this morning to you and just pray, Lord, that as we dig into your word, Lord, that you, your presence would be here, that your word would... Uh, your word would change us, Lord. We want to be changed by you and your spirit, Lord. We want to be made into the creations, into your plan for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Psalm 86, we find a man who puts his faith entirely in God while crying out desperately for help. In 86.1, it says, A prayer of David, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. We need God. We need to come to him in desperation. We need to come to him without any other plans. This is God who can solve our problems, who can address our needs, who can, can, who can meet us where we're at. So David begins in utter desperation. There are 15 petitions in this psalm. Uh, some of them are repeated, and the first one that David starts with, the first and foremost thing that he begins with is he wants to be heard by God and understood by the Lord. It says, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. Not, not only to be heard, but to, be, but to have God respond. It's so important when we're crushed under these things to be heard, especially for those who have no voice, Lord. And it says, in, eight, uh, in 6, it says, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. It's repeated. Listen to my plea for grace. So when was the last time you faced the impossible or you reached a, a point where you were so overwhelmed you really just had no words? 
so desperate for in your situation that um, that there was only one solution and that was to lay bare before God that's where David is here he's approaching God completely broken and at the end of himself he's asking the creator of the universe firstly to hear him he comes and he says I am he says he's poor and needy and there's no place other place you can go for help he has nothing to offer God a lot of times we'll have conversations with people and think, okay, what can I say here to get this person's attention? What can I say to sound witty? What can I say to, to have them acknowledge me? And David comes to God and says, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can bring to the table here. I'm broken, poor, and needy. So he's not trying to bargain at all with God. And Personally, like when I look at myself, I, I'm, I'm hardwired to focus on things, which does, which makes my job, makes me really good at my job, really, because it's all about focusing on problems and solving them. I love to solve problems, and as an engineer, that's what I do. I focus on problems. It takes me a good, I think, hour and a half to two hours just to get started on a project. And so if that, if I get interrupted in the middle, I'm going to have to spend another hour and a half to get ramped back up into the, into the mind space to be able to accomplish my task. My kids are not hardwired for focus. In fact, uh, they don't even understand that, you know, daddy is working on something and he needs to think through all these problems. So working from home has been kind of an interesting experience. That quite often I'll get knocks on the door. Or I'll hear a, a, a head down on the floor coming up, you know, asking me random questions. You know, hey, you know, can you log me into the computer so I can play my video games? They'll ask me things about Pokemon, which I have no clue. And, you know, it's like, it's hard for me to be, like, so focused and then to switch gears and focus in on them. Um, but I do. I, I, I do my best to meet their needs because, especially the younger ones, there's, there's, there's nowhere else for them to go. It's not like, sure, they can ask me about a Pokemon and I can Google it for them. It's not like they can do that or whatever it is. Um, God is not trapped by that like I am. He's... He's a lis listener. He, he loves to hear from his children. He loves to hear from us. And so if you um, see Matthew 7, 11, uh, Jesus said, if you then who are evil, speaking about me, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who will ask him? So there's no point in this discussion where our requests are too small for God. There's no point in, this, in, in where God says, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm too busy solving this other problem. Our God is good. So then that's the other point, that God, why should we go to God with our petitions is because he is good. We have nothing to bring to the table, and he has no reason to listen other than his nature. He is foundationally good. In uh, verse 5, it says, For you, O Lord, are good, and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. So all the reasons that we laid out in the beginning of not to come to God, pride, shame, anger, all fall apart here. They're meaningless in the face that God is good and forgiving and has abounding in steadfast love. So I've been a, a Christian in my whole life, and there's been... Um, uh, I mean, there have been times when uh, I've actually been so angry at God that I, I did not want to speak to him. When I 
that actually scared me when it happened because I knew it was wrong, but also I was so angry at my situation that I was angry with the Lord. And um, the, thing that, the thing that broke me of that, of that attitude was knowing that God is good. He has always been good. He will always be good. Even if you're in, the, in a position today, if this is where you're at today and you're angry with God, angry about something he's done maybe to you, maybe to someone else, start with that idea. Hold on to that idea that God is foundationally good. Commit to that statement and move forward from there and let his goodness become more true to you as you, as you meditate on that. A.W. Tozer said that God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible and must be received as an article of faith, as impregnable as the throne of God. It is a foundation stone for all sound thought about God and is necessary to moral sanity. So Jesus came to this earth and lived God's goodness out. He showed love and compassion even on his enemies, who we were. We were born enemies of God, and yet he still died for us. He showed us love because he is good. Nothing we did deserves that goodness. Nothing we can ever do will deserve that goodness, but we receive it. We need him, and we can come to him with our petitions because he is good. In verse 10, it says, For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. When we're approaching God, we need to do so single-heartedly because he is also worthy. In verse 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. A divided heart is torture. When your heart is split between two things, there's, there's no way to love. It's pure misery. You know, it says um, no one can serve two masters is what it says. And that's because when your heart is ripped apart like that, there's no joy in any of it. We are called to pursue God. To God we know that God is good. We come to him desperately and we come to him wholeheartedly. And the promise from that uh, is laid out that we will rejoice in him. When I was, uh, some of you might know a bit of my testimony, but uh, when I was, I grew up in the church, Christian my entire life, and I reached a point at which I had to make the decision for myself. My parents' faith was not enough for me because I was, on the one hand, I knew God was good. I wanted to do the right thing. And on the other hand, all my friends were having fun doing whatever they wanted without God. And so I was stuck in the middle where God, God's, God was a killjoy. It was Christianity to me at that point was turning into do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and there was no joy. And all I, all I saw were my friends who were doing whatever they wanted and supposedly had joy. And so I was forced to make a decision to dig in. Either I go one way or I go the other, but I can't be split because there's no joy in either. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy what they were doing and I couldn't enjoy what God wanted me to do. When it came down to it, I, again, for me, the fact that God is good is undeniable. The fact that God loves me is undeniable. So if that's true, then, there, then I need to pursue him wholeheartedly because everything else must be a lie. 
So for me, the decision was go fully into, into God, and it's been joyful. It's been incredible. So when we have needs, we know that God is good. Don't come to God with a plan of this is how I'm going to solve this problem. God, you take this bit. Come to him with everything. Let, 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 let his answer be what you need. And you notice it says, David is asking to teach me your way, O Lord. This is not a natural thing. A lot of, uh, if it were natural, David would be there. But what he's saying is, teach me your way that my heart can be solely given to you in this situation, in whatever it is, and then I will know, I will be able to rejoice in this situation. We're, we're called uh, throughout the Bible to take joy in trials. It's like, that makes no sense if you, if you say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. Task one, take joy. I'm in a trial, take joy. It's impossible. Unless you've given your whole heart to whatever answer God has for you. If, you, if God is good and worthy and able to meet your needs, then there is joy because you are trusting in God. You're not trusting in your own plans or the world's idea on what you should do. So being good and worthy bring us here, but we need a God who can act. So if I'm taking my petitions to a God who's not good, there's, there's no point, because I don't know what he's going to do. He's, is he going to do the right, is he going to do something that's good for me or bad for me? But if God is good, he's going to be able to do something that's good for me. If God is worthy of my wholehearted devotion, then that's where I need to pursue. But he's also able to act. A lot of times I have conversations with people and I get stuck in this mode, okay, are you asking for me to listen to you or are you asking for me to solve your problem? Like, I, 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 I like to kind of solve problems, so I generally gravitate towards that, but a lot of times people come to you with, a, with, with something where they're like, no, I, I just need you to cry with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to, to comfort me. God is able to do both, comfort and deliver. Otherwise, why go to him with any problems? If, I were, if God were not listening, why go to him? If God were not good, why go to him? If God were not worthy, why go to him? If God were not able, why go to him? There's no reason for any of those things, but he is all those things. You've heard it said that uh, God helps those who help themselves. And not only is that not, bi not biblical, it's a complete and utter lie. God helps those who need him, and we all need him. So we recognize that our needs. We need God to hear us. We need God to teach us and, and uh, correct us. We need God to comfort us and deliver us. In verse 16, it says, turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So throughout the entire psalm, David gives glory to God. He praises him throughout the prayer in the most humble and reverent adoration. Throughout everything, he, takes, he never takes away from God's goodness or infinite great, greatness. 
strength and salvation come from the Lord ultimately and completely. David asks to be delivered in his last petition, but also asks for comfort in his trial and that that comfort would glorify God and shame his oppressors. In Romans, it says not only that, we, not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we can go through trials not understanding why they're happening. In fact, we can waste a lot of time asking why me. But, and it's good to pray for the deliverance in the pr- trials, but also to pray for God's work to be done and for God's comfort and rest in the trials. My sweetest times with God have been through trials either of my own making or or not, but the times where I'm stripped of myself, it's like uh, that that scene in Lord of the Rings where uh, Bilbo says he's he's like butter scraped over too much bread, just uh, that, that picture of like, I'm so spread thin right now and so just stretched. And it's at those times that I go on my knees before the Lord with nothing and he comforts me. And it's even reached, reaches the point where in several, several trials that I've gone through, uh, I'm sad to see the trial end just because that, those times with the Lord have been so, so sweet. And and so I wanted those times not to end, but also I know that God has worked through them in me and that he has received glory through them. So if you're going through a trial today, go to God and ask him to teach you, to comfort you, and deliver you. Know that he is able, capable, willing uh, to do all those things. He is a gracious and merciful God that is available to us. In Hebrews, Jesus, well, in Hebrews it talks about Jesus who made, uh, made the way possible for us to bring everything to God. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect was, has been tempted as we are yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let's be desperate for God. We can go boldly to the throne of grace and not demand things. We go boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help and ask for grace, ask for comfort, ask for rest, ask for deliverance. And to praise him in those times because he's worthy of all those things. And not only for ourselves. I know we've been talking a lot about the per- personal trials that we go through, but we're also called to pray for those who are going through things, those who are, we see going through trials. We're told to petition the Lord for others. In First Timothy, it says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. There are voiceless, there are oppressed, that have no way to defend themselves, no one to speak for them. We are called to lift them up to the Lord. There are, and to continue to lift them up to the Lord. In, throughout the Bible, if you look at, for example, Daniel, we see the picture of a man who was praying to God and prayed for deliverance. And did not receive an answer for three weeks. 
And it's not like he gave up at the beginning of the three weeks. We, found out, we find out later that Daniel prayed through the entire time. And during that time, he didn't receive an answer from God, but he continued to pray. So I would encourage you to pray until you receive an answer. At the end of three weeks, uh, an angel came to him and spoke to him and explained that as soon as he prayed, he was heard by God. There was spiritual warfare along the lines. And then God uh, was able to deliver him after three weeks. Another example, uh, Paul. We know that uh, Paul talks about having a thorn in his side, whether it's spiritual, physical, whatever it was. We're not given the details. But we know that um, he prayed desperately to God that the thorn would be lifted. And God said, no, my grace is enough for you. So he provided comfort to Paul. So wherever you're at today, if you need comfort, if you need deliverance, if you need both, pray for them. Go to God with your needs. Go to God wholeheartedly. He is good, and he is able to deliver you and comfort you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, broken and desperate in need of you. Lord, there's nothing as good as you. There's nothing that can fill the, fill the needs, Lord. There's nothing that can meet us where we're at, overcome and overwhelmed by our situations, by whatever else is going on in the world, Lord. We desperately need you. We desperately need your comfort, your deliverance, Lord. We just lift you up, Lord. We want to praise you in the midst of trials. We want to praise you uh, in the midst of comfort, in the midst of deliverance, Lord, wherever we're at, Lord. Let our hearts be unified, undivided, and focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen.